Hi, I'm Jason Wacob, founder and co-CEO of MindBuddyGreen and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a five-star review and comment. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness and make sure to check out all of our great offerings, including our online classes and trainings. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Gabby Bernstein is a number one New York Times bestselling author who's been featured on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday as a next generation thought leader, and the New York Times named her a new role model. I've known Gabby for over 10 years, and I'm so excited that she's finally on her podcast. And today we're going to go deeper with Gabby, get to know another side of her, and she's got a really important story to share with all of you. Gabby, welcome. I'm so happy to be back. I'm so happy you're here. I say back because (laughs) I have not been on this podcast, but my big brag is that I was the first ever interview with Jason ever. We did a phone interview in like 2009. I was in my kitchen. And I read the book. You you were very, you couldn't believe that I actually read read your book. I was really impressed, yes. Add More Ing, right? Can I tell you how many people don't read the book when they interview? It was Add More Ing, right? Add More Ing to Your Life was the first book. Yeah. Yeah. Well. You, you've written how many books since then? Seven. Wow, congratulations. Thank New you. York Times bestsellers, you're crushing it. Yeah. So let's talk about the latest book. Mm-hmm. Great title, Super Attractor. Mm-hmm. So what is a super attractor? What does that mean? Being a super attractor means that your deepest desire is to feel good. That you're committed and devoted to feeling good, even in dark moments. Because when we are aligned with the best part of ourselves, that part of our inspiration, the part of the joy within us, the childlike part of ourselves, we become a magnet for everything that we could possibly want. We begin to magnetize. We find solutions, invisible doors open for us. And we become what I refer to as a super attractor. Uh, And what we believe we begin to receive in our life. So this is all about how to get back to that centered, truthful place of who you are. So I'm in, sign me up for that. Yeah. But (laughs) we make a lot of mistakes here. What are are we all doing wrong as we we age? There's a lot of blocks. But first of all, I will recognize you as a super attractor because I've known you for 10 years now. This, where we're sitting here in this beautiful office in Dumbo and this major, major thing that you've created, thing, just a thing. But th- this You're going to go all Deepak all me and go metaphysical. So totally. That's not a thing. It's not. Totally. It's just a thing. <laughs> this, uh, but, but, but truly, it was built out of joy. It was built out of inspiration. It was built out of passion. And because I knew you then. We were at the beginning of this zeitgeist, right? This like movement was occurring. Now it's a wellness movement and trend. And back in 10 years ago, yeah, I can go further back than that. We can look and say, okay, you know, this was something that was built out of something we were really into, something that you were really excited about. So you super attracted this. I agree. Yeah. But but we block it. So let's talk yeah. about the blocks. Yeah. So some of the ways that we block it, in the book I talk about the manic manifester. The manic manifestors, uh, they often get on my on my stage and my, and my audiences with a microphone and they'll be very distraught. And they'll say, you know, Gabby, I've been meditating and reading Mind Body Green and doing all the things I need to do to get better. And I'm just, you know, meditating and doing mantras and taking green juice and green juice and green juice and green juice. But I'm not manifesting. Uh, that person, I look them in the eye. I simply say to them, you are putting your spiritual practice in front of 
your true energy. You're using your spiritual practice as another form of addiction. You are manic in your attracting behavior, which is not attractive at all. So when we have that manic energy in any form, we're going to deflect what it is that the universe has in store for us. So we have to be careful for for people listening. That is a really good question for your viewers and listeners is, are you manic manifesting? Are you, are you over spiritualizing your life to get something or somewhere? Because it's not, that's not the purpose of a spiritual path. The spiritual path is about being here right now. We, uh, we also have the pusher. The pusher is another way of blocking. The pusher is the one who has that core belief system that if I'm not doing it or making it happen, then it won't happen. Hmm. Have you ever had the pusher mentality? Of course. Yeah. I'm a former pusher too. <laughs> but you know that your greatest creations never came out of that pushing energy, right? Sure. But we'll, we'll come back to that point. You're not going to, you know, <sighs> this guy does not want me to turn it on him. <laughs> I won't then. I'll leave you alone. Uh, but being a pusher is really a deflector as well because that pushy energy, uh, again, is, is, uh, is frantic and it's uh, unfaithful. It's, uh, it's going to often put you in a position where your, your actions block the true manifestation because what we do, what we need is always there for us but we can either allow it or we can block it and pushing is definitely a way of blocking another one is judgment when we judge ourselves or others we get into that block because we lower our vibration we lower our energy uh, we can also really block through fear our disbelief our fear-based beliefs of ourselves and our experience are probably the primary block to our super attractor power so we'll go back to this pushing and pulling, if you will. So, okay. Okay. So we've been at this 10 years. You've built a tremendous brand, a tremendous business. But I also know you work really hard. And I, and I work really hard. And so it is a balance. And I, and I do think a lot of type A people who work hard, who like to set goals and like to achieve goals, it's, it's, a, it's a balance of, of pushing sometimes and sometimes you have to put in effort and and potentially break down that door or just push through and at the same time whether it's letting go or being a better manifester if you will it, it's a balance like as i said like earlier before you came on there was a a great quote something along the lines from jim carrey where he said you know you can't go manifest and then go sit in the couch and eat a ham sandwich there's work yeah so I have two answers for that. So one is, first, let's address me working hard. So I had a behavioral pattern of work addiction probably up until four years ago. And I came to understand that it was a way of running, running from memories I didn't want to remember, running from fear. I have been sober 14 years, as you know. And put down the drink and the drug 14 years ago, but then picked up work addiction, just really just, and then when your work is in the pursuit of something good, as you know, people praise you for it. So it you can't get out of the cycle because everyone thinks you're doing so well for what it is that you're creating. And, 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 and truly you feel great about what you're creating because it's serving so many, but it is still, in my case, was killing me. So thankfully, I hit bottom with that and then started to untangle it through my own personal growth, my own trauma healing, my own deep dive into therapy. Just just most recently, another bottom I hit with postpartum depression. So just coming to my knees, truly, allowing my spiritual connection to guide me, 
and being committed to going deeper to heal the wounds that made me run in the first place, that made me overwork in the first place. So I can very proudly say to you now, I don't work that hard, Jason. What did overwork look like? At the time, overwork manifested in me just doing way more than I should have been doing. My, my, my career was too big for me to be doing all the things that I was doing. That was my form of controlling because to control felt was what ultimately kept me safe until I could no longer do it anymore. That was, it was, it would, it would, you know, would affect my physical body, my health and well-being were affected. My, and overall, even though I wrote a lot of books and, and truthfully, I would not change a thing because that, that speed with which I was moving allowed me to author seven books in eight years, books that have saved lives, books that have really healed people. And so I don't, I'm not going to look back and change a thing, but I knew it wasn't sustainable and I could not continue on like that. I also have come to realize that the less I do, I, I write in the book, do less and attract more. Mm. I can stand behind that wholeheartedly. I've done so much less in the last two years than ever in my life. And I've attracted far more than I could possibly imagine. So was it saying no was the core of the problem? Just saying yes to everything. It's a little bit of everything. It was trying to control things. It was saying yes. It was being understaffed and not not letting not doing anything about that. Not trusting people. Not letting people help me. These are these are ways that we all have ways that we run. Sure. We run, and what are we running from? We're running from our our painful experiences from our past. Period. End of story. I just had lunch with a girlfriend. She's like, "Do you think that everybody's just got stuff?" And I was like looking around the restaurant like that person's traumatized that person's traumatized that person's traumatized. and i was like it doesn't have to be a big traumatic event to be something that 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 was the the inciting incident or the that you know as a course of miracles would say a descent from magnitude into littleness hmm. and we detour and we go further and further into that fear and that's what blocks that super attractor power because truly we are super attractors at all times we have been born that way we are that way but we stopped we forgot right because we started to believe that we needed to overachieve or we needed to be this person or we needed drugs to get out of our own way or whatever it was that we believed i also want to add the, the point at least i think it's important to note you're also passionate about what you do and i think when you're passionate about what you do you tend to Think that, about there it was a lot that. More. There was that too. That's I a was, good thing. It was a great thing. But now I'm living with the with the healthy version of that. Okay, so I'm extremely passionate about what I do. And let me tell you something. I don't think I work hard, but I probably do more in one hour than somebody could do in a week. And I mean that. <laughs> I really mean that. So right now I'm writing the book proposal for my ninth book while I'm finishing my eighth book because I'm so lit up by it, right? I'm traveling around the world to, to speak. That's, that's not work for me. That's my, that's my gift. It's my art. It's joy. It looks like I might be working a lot, but it doesn't feel like it to me. Did you watch, I'm surprised I'm bringing this up on our podcast, but it's, it, it made me think of it because Colleen and I just watched it. There's a documentary on Kevin Hart on no, Netflix. No, I'll watch you, it. So I didn't know much about him. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> so it's interesting. He is so driven yeah. and works so hard and his schedule is insane. And the way he'll talk about it, one, he came from nothing. Yeah. And so, like, is there's a little bit of fear there. Like, I don't want to lose everything. But yes. also sees it like he's a comedian. He's an entertainment. He's got momentum. This is his time. He has to seize the opportunity. He needs to think bigger, go forward. I think you're not an entertainer per, per se, but 
there's this as a Kevin Hart being a huge personal brand, he's like, I need to do more. This is my time. It could change. Things could change. You know, the special I, I may not be as good and I need to be strategic and work hard and push through. And why I'm asking this too is I think you've built such a great personal brand. And I think a lot of people out there listening are trying to, you know, building their personal brand. And it's a balance of being strategic, saying yes, saying no. And but at the same time, you don't want to burn out. You don't want to do things that compromise who you are. But when you've got momentum, you have an, you know, you've got all the success. It's how do you pick and choose what to do and do And it's, it's a delicate balance. And I'm always curious by that. Yeah. I, and having also the last point is like, having been around for 10 years, I've seen so many people build their brands and destroy their brands. You've yeah. built your brand and, and yeah. like you're a great success story. And yeah. I think there's a lot to learn the way you've done that. Yeah. I don't think I've, I think I've barely even started Jason. I have a lot of work to do here. A lot of work to do. I have big, even bigger, more deeper books to write. I have, I'm on a mission. I know that might sound like incredibly cheesy to people out there, <laughs> but I do feel that way. I'm watching the news every day and I'm really awake to what's going on in the world. I haven't shut it off. I haven't numbed out and I'm very scared. And I think that we need to wake up. We need to get real about what it means to learn how to regulate our nervous system, not just because we are all triggered and traumatized, but because we're living in a time that's escalating that, that's elevating that, that's a creating a pressure cooker around us. You know, I spoke on a panel with Deepak, um, me and Deepak and I spoke together two months ago, three months ago. And you know he's he's doomsday man. He's like it's over, <laughs> it's over. And we all laugh, and I think we need to laugh, and we need to just live our lives, and we need to feel like you know focus on what we're eating for dinner and enjoy our fashion or whatever we have to do because we have to live, and we can't get sucked into the drama. But the reality is, we need to wake up now. Uh, I am committed to helping people do that. I am deeply committed to helping give people tools for regulating their nervous system so that they don't lose their mind. Hmm. because it's possible it's happening so what are the things you think that everyone needs to start paying more attention to whether it's personally with their nervous system or around them and their communities and we're just advice for someone who's going through their twitter feed or looking at the news and says like oh my god like because i think some people get so overwhelmed yeah. Too, and they're like, oh, it doesn't matter, or they become yeah. numb, and or they become angry, and becoming angry or numb also isn't really a proactive solution. Mm -mm, no, uh, there's a few things. Well, f and also let's not forget to get back to the, the ham sandwich. I don't want to forget to get back there. You can remind me. <laughs> I don't me. eat ham. We don't. We'll get back to the ham sandwich though. The J Jim Carrey's ham sandwich. Uh, so, so I would say that what's What's happening now is that we are now the victim of the media, we're the victim of our iPhones, we're the victim of what's happening around us in the world. So we have to every day wake up and choose not to be the victim of the world we see, but instead practice proactive tools and principles for getting back into alignment. That's what this book is about. So getting back into alignment means leaning. So I just had a, I just had a meeting the other day with a girlfriend who's got a very big business, and she's like, you know, my mission statement, five years ago was is not what I'm living right now and I said well what did you love doing then she's like I loved you know photographing and this and that and I said 
first of all, you have all the resources in the world to do that. So you know, to, to say, take, take away, you know, my, well, she's huge responsibilities, but you can hand things off. And if, and most importantly, go do that, go take those photos, go do that thing that you were so joyful about that lit you up at that time. Go do it now. I was like, go right now, go to right. your office right now and start taking photos because we, we get so caught up in the bigness or we get caught up in the drama or we get caught up in the the financial fear that we disconnect from the joy that we that got us to where we are today so wherever you are in your life i would say lean into that joy in some form find that that hobby that habit uh then the other bit here that's very important as we talk about the really difficult things that are going on in the world and how do we navigate that, we have to learn methods and tools for regulating our nervous system and change and shifting our energy. And you know, being a reader or a viewer of Mind Body Green, you already are on that path, no matter what. You're you're reading prescriptive blogs daily that are guiding you to peaceful a peaceful path. Meditation, of course, and I can of course give you guys some breath techniques. Uh, emotional freedom technique is an excellent EFT is an excellent practice that you can learn how to practice on your own go to YouTube and just type in EFT for stress or EFT for trauma or EFT for fear because we're stressed and traumatized and afraid whatever it is that you can start to do to regulate uh, then obviously therapy is excellent EMDR therapy is excellent anything that you can do to to help you have tools in your back pocket to reorganize your energy because What's happening is we're, we're walking around, like I said earlier, like the victim, like we're, but we don't even realize it. We're getting hit, we're getting hit, we're getting hit. And we're up at night on our phones and we're going to bed with so much in our mind and we're, we're not helping ourselves. So sleep hygiene is a big one. I've gone wild with sleep hygiene because when I had postpartum depression, I had insomnia as well. So I got really serious about sleep hygiene, all devices off at least an hour before bed, off. No devices on in the bedroom. No, no, no big talk at night before bed. <laughs> Wind down routine. Really, we have to take this so seriously. Sure. We don't, you know, we're just like caffeinated and running and and just just off off the rails and and dissociated from our bodies. So it's it's about coming back into your body. If anybody has the opportunity, and I say opportunity, the privilege of being able to do any somatic experiencing work, that work is excellent. If they can do it with a therapist or just watch Peter Levine or read his books. Anything you can do to get back into your body. I like what you said, lean into joy. Mm -hmm. It sounds very approachable. It's like, I can do that. I mm -hmm. can lean into joy. Mm -hmm. That doesn't require a, a 30 day reboot. Like, it, do, it's, mm -mm. it doesn't sound intense. Just lean into joy. Mm -hmm. For me, that looks like cooking. For me, that looks like a devotional hour with my son without a phone and anywhere in sight, right? Just me and my son playing with. You know, teach. I mean, when you see a one-year-old learn something, when you're watching the wheels turn and you see them be like, "Okay, this is eat." Okay, and they just start doing. I mean, it's you know, you have a seven-month-old. You're just months away from that sure. developmental wildness of what it. I mean, we have to just, just, just enjoy what's in front of us. Uh, many people might be thinking, "Well, I don't have time for that." The three minutes of yeah. of, of, of uninterrupted joy. There was a great line. I had Ryan Holiday on the podcast and we were talking about kids and he, he said, you know, I'll take the garbage time 
and we were talking about as i was talking to you before like the struggle with traveling with kids mm -hmm. and i was like it's like the most stressful you know you're going through tsa there's it's just like a nightmare as i prepare for city yeah, australia and, and, he, and he was saying it, it was just I, I loved it that you know when you're a little kid you know for us it's about like let's get to the destination let's get to the hotel right. or the place yeah. and then we'll enjoy it and for the kid it's, it's like, everything it's everything it's yeah. like the you know the cab it's like the long line on tsa it doesn't matter mm -hmm. it's the whole experience where it could mm -hmm. be taking out he says taking out the garbage it was just mm -hmm. like such a subtle reminder and it made me think of leaning into joy it's like just like the couple minutes with your child it's that's right simple easy. you want to lean into joy hang out with your kid yeah yeah. yeah, but I let anyone can do that. So you also mentioned alignment, and when you said alignment, made me think of relationships. Hmm. And it's a word we use alignment all the time in the world of well-being. You know, mm -hmm. not an alignment personally, or I, I find it comes up a lot in relationships. Like mm -hmm. this relationship is not in alignment. You know, in, mm -hmm. in alignment. Mm -hmm. And I think my take on relationships. There, there needs to be some ease. And so the relationships are work, but in, in the early stages, they need some ease. And I think in this day and age, or just in general, there, there's always, it's so difficult to know when to walk away. Mm. And mm. how do you know? What's your advice to someone? <laughs> in, in, for that, I think it, it's tough. Yeah, I think that, well, there's there's two answers. The first is that we never really walk away because energetically you're always you're always somehow connected. So it's about healing whatever it is within you that's being activated by that person. When you know that you are fully clear on whatever that activation was, and that person hasn't risen up to the level of where you're at in terms of health and well-being with that issue or their issues that were triggered by you, that would be a sign you'd be walking away because you've you've done your work. But but relationships are spiritual assignments and they're a great opportunity to go deep and heal. Hmm. So if you walk away too soon, you miss your opportunity. Stick around for the miracles. <laughs> so the miracle may not be that you stay together, but the miracles that you were so triggered by this person that it gave you this bottoming out that led you to heal. Sure. So to get to work, everybody. I, mean, I think <laughs> you know that's the get but again, to work. It's, when you're in the thick of it, it's 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 one of those. It's hard to to step away and look at the. I think that if you're in the thick of it and you're feeling overwhelmed by it, the really the number one thing to do is saying, "What is it within me that is activated by this person, and how can I heal that?" Because what happens, and I've lived this, I've lived this. When you heal your core wound that's activated by the look. Two people come together because their wounded parts meet your wounded parts and they're a match. And so, <laughs> you know, what you can do is each of you can be healing your wounded parts and rise up together. One person's going to heal their wounded part and the other person isn't. And the new person's at a different vibration. And when that, that, when that person is new in that new vibration, the other person has two choices. They can rise up and meet you there, clean up their side of the street, or they can stay here and then you move on. So that's when you have to really make that call. But do your work, do your part. Let the relationship be an opportunity for you to see yourself in your shadows, to go to the places that scare you, to get into that therapy, to get into that prescriptive work or read that book or whatever it is that's going to help you unearth your developmental patterns that are holding you back. 
I don't think we're, I th you know, a lot of people will come to me and they're like, they, they love Super Attractor because it's methods for manifesting a life beyond your wildest dreams. And it's a very upbeat, empowering book. And I'm so happy that it's serving people. Though, and, and, and though the deeper messages within all of my books are get to the root. Right. You could have a lot of success with this book without getting to the root cause. You can, because you're going to make a commitment to feel better. But if you want to really feel better, if you want to really be free, I'm working on other books. So hopefully we'll come up with a title here. <laughs> the, the Become New is what I currently have. But I don't know if that's it. It's got to be a positive title because it's going to require a lot of commitment. The way you talked about relationships as growth opportunities or spiritual experiences reminded me a little bit of Gary Zukoff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a good way to look at it. It's just a, it's just a good way to look at life. Everything's yeah. a growth opportunity to, to some degree. We can look at the difficult experiences in our life and thank them because they are moments and opportunities that reveal to us what we still need to heal. If we want to be free, if we want to feel truly free, we can't make the money to feel free. We can't have the success to feel free. We can't have the perfect spouse to feel free or the right amount of children to feel free. We, have to, we can only become free when we're willing to heal the disturbances that have kept us unsafe. So something you've also talked about in terms of difficulties is your struggle with having a child. Hmm. And that that is a struggle. And, and Colleen and I struggled for a while. And it, it is tough. And how did you get through that? What got you through that? I can fondly look back on the three years that it took me to conceive my son and say, that was perfect. The day I delivered my son, I was like, this is exactly as it was meant to be. I say, I say that every day. I'm so grateful he didn't come sooner. I wouldn't have been slightly prepared emotionally. So I don't really have much of a feeling of anything went wrong someone's struggling to attract something that they want in their life, but it's not coming right away, the new perspective is there's something better. Sure. I didn't mean it was wrong. I guess where I was getting I get, at. No, I, I don't mean it's it's, wrong. You had this great quote, the true miracle is having faith no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that, that's where I was going with this mm -hmm, idea. You're mm -hmm. pushing for something, you want something, and it's it's this idea of, having faith and letting go and saying whatever happens, whether it's conceiving yeah. or an illness or whatever everything. it is, wh whatever it is, I'm, I'm doing everything, but you know what? Right. I'm putting my hands up, let go, let God, whatever I believe in, whatever is meant to be. And it's, That's again, right. it's like that push pull, that balance. I think that, that living with faith is a lot easier than not. It's much more fun. <laughs> the, just as an example, I just started, I'm trying to conceive again and I had to, take some some like melatonin and supplements to sleep because of my post because of not my postpartum the postpartum experience that i'm still recovering from i have something for you oh we'll talk good <laughs> is it something i can take when i'm pregnant though that's the question yes. oh great yes. excellent look miracles so i so i'm as i prepare for the pregnancy i'm like okay well all that's off the table you can't really maybe you could take a little melatonin or but i mean not, shouldn't take it every day it's exactly not and yeah. i don't even like it because it's it makes it unsettling so uh, these things are going to be off the table and i was starting to worry how am i going to sleep and i'm, you know, I'm st still working through the trauma of having insomnia for several months so i started coming up for me then i just said a prayer i said god you'll you'll take this over take universe take it you'll, you'll figure it out you'll work it out for me my fear went away. Haven't thought about it since. 
one day at a time. When I'm pregnant, I will be shown what to do. Sure. So I could be sitting here worrying about a future outcome that may not even be a problem, or I can give it away, turn it over, offer it up to a higher power of my own understanding and be completely free as a, as a, in, in happy anticipation of what's coming. We, we let go of our control when we have faith. Right. It was when I started to have faith and release that control that, my, my, that all the synchronicity started to show up in my life. I write about it in the book. There's a whole story in the book about how I was given a million different signs that Oliver was on the way. And so Oliver's a year now. Yeah. And something else you, you've talked about, post postpartum and yeah. struggling and, and yeah. hitting bottom. What did that what did that look like for you? I think it was a gift I was given because I now can speak with with authority and genuine compassion and understanding to anyone who has mental illness, to people on medication, to moms suffering with postpartum depression, anxiety, insomnia. I will be able to help people in a bigger way now. Uh, it was also the worst experience of my life. Sure. <laughs> so uh, I, yeah, I, I, I know what it is to have mental illness. So I'm grateful for that. What I love is you were open about taking Zoloft and saying it saved my life, which is a big deal. Zoloft saved my life. I just spent this morning with the Motherhood Center here in New York City. I'm going to get behind them in a big way. They are a clinic for moms, people that are pregnant or people or women who are uh, postpartum, who are struggling with any kind of emotional disturbances. They prescribe medication there. There are psychiatrists working the working the hallways of that space. They also offer yoga with you know a trauma yoga or whatever they or they offer talk therapy and they offer all this excellent guidance. But they're not going to let the stigmas stop them from saving lives with medication. When a woman's going through a biochemical postpartum scenario, her life is at stake. Mine was. I was suicidal. So. If somebody was having a heart issue, they would take a blood thinner and not think twice about it. Right. But when it comes to an antidepressant, particularly in our world, in our spiritual self-help wellness sure. world, there's giant there's stigma. Thrilled to take CBD and thrilled to take ashwagandha and thrilled to take all this other stuff that hasn't even really been studied. But or that's not entirely true. There's studies for sure. But and and I think there should be well, more. Yeah. But uh, but. They won't. They won't even consider what could ultimately not only save their lives, but save the life of their child or the stability and mental well-being of their child. Because when a woman is having that kind of experience, when the child is in those early days, the child knows. My son knew. He stopped nursing. We had a perfect nursing relationship. He was perfect. He latched immediately. At five months, when I was in the thick of my postpartum, I just started taking Zoloft. I was all worried about taking it with him, which, by the way, is not a problem at all. You can take Zoloft, and you should obviously talk to your doctor about it. But you can be pregnant. You can be post. You can be nursing. It's the number one prescribed medication for women that are pregnant and nursing. But the baby knew. The baby one day, five months, I was so overwhelmed, but I wasn't going to stop nursing because I couldn't. I couldn't end that for him and for myself. He stopped. He gave me the hand. He was like, no, I'm done. Moving on. And I believe that he knew. I think he knew I needed a break. I think he knew I needed relief. 
Well, I'm glad you're okay. I'm okay. And I'm great. I actually, am, I, I think it's awesome that you shared that because there absolutely is a stigma, and the reality is medication saves lives. That's right. And specifically in our world, the the world of well being. The stigma is even bigger and there's pressure to say, oh, I did this naturally or that yeah. naturally. And shaming. Whoa, shaming, shaming is a big thing. Like, whoa, well, you know, why is she giving or he giving advice if they're doing this and they're not perfect? And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's an dangerous. important topic. And it's, it's dangerous when doctors and, and, and self-help people get out there and shame anything. Whether just it's, in general, like you're not working hard enough to solve your problem. Right, or, right. And there's, that happens sometimes. Yeah, but it's dangerous because I've heard a lot of people saying, I'm getting off my medication because I read this book. Or It's dangerous because it people is. also, particularly with, 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 uh, with antidepressants, you have, to, you, have to be, you have to be guided off that medication. Well, especially... One place you don't want to roll the dice is your mental health. No. It's like, okay, microbiome's a little off. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm going to be yeah, okay. Or like, yeah. you know, irregularity, yeah. a little bloated. Yeah. But like yeah. you, mental health, like once that's, it's very hard. Once, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, on this podcast, you know, the the excitement around ayahuasca and mm -hmm. LSD and mm -hmm. like lots of, mm -hmm. you know, therapy involving psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, there's also some risk with that. And once it's very hard, once you lose your mental health, very hard to reclaim it and very scary. Yeah. And catastrophic. Yeah. So I'm glad it's something you were very open about because a lot of people would yeah. not be. I'm going to keep talking about it. You openly should. Because that I was part of the stigma. <laughs> you know, I feel like telling people in my audiences never would say, get off your meds. I would never, ever, ever say that to somebody. But I would say, well, try this meditation or, you know, like not not don't do that and do this, but I would say, but maybe meditation will help. But truly sure. when you're having a real mental health crisis, meditation doesn't help. Yeah, there are some people who will say like, they'll ask questions. Well, are you meditating or are you that's eating right. gluten? That's or are you right. having that's, sugar? That's it's like, no, I'm not, I'm was, not having me. these things. Like that something's wrong, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, but then once you get the medication, what are you gonna do with it next? How are you gonna, what's sure. the next step? So for me, the next step was deep EMDR therapy once or twice a week, somatic experiencing therapy. I, I, I have two to three therapy sessions a week. One is body work and the rest is, is really deep. And I, and I say that with pride. I have the resources to do it, so I better do it so I can be a better version of myself for my son, for my husband, for my and for my readers. Well, also, you know, being vulnerable is important to show other people that you're not made of steel. Oh, None I, of us are made of steel. I have no steel. problem being vulnerable, Jason. <laughs> well, it, 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 sometimes it can be, you know, sometimes. It was scary with yeah, this one, though. Yeah, I'm with sure. telling about the meds. Like, it took me a while to say that. For a while, I was just saying, it was actually, for a while, I was just saying, I'm I'm seeing a psychiatrist. And then it wasn't until I was interviewed in the New York Times that I said I was on Zoloft. It's great. <laughs> yeah, that was it's, my it's big great. coming well, out. Hey, as uh, Dr. our mutual friend, Dr. Drew Ramsey, who is a, psychiatrist said on this podcast lithium and magnesium are right next to each other mm -hmm. on the periodic t table mm -hmm. you can interpret that various various ways that's right <laughs> and it's an important point um so when do you when do you know when to just sort of go through the process of walking away and letting go like you're out there you're 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 trying to attract you've got your your best practices if you will your playbook you your routines your rituals 
And, and how do you know when you get to that point with something where it's like, okay, I need to like take a step back and get out of my head or just let go and, and. Well, I think if you're living a spiritual path, in some ways you're letting go every day. Because ultimately you can only show up to the best of your ability, create to the best of your ability. But once you start controlling and trying to make things happen or trying to hold on too tightly, you're in the way. Mm-hmm. So, so living a spiritual life means letting go every day. Letting go from the standpoint of just remembering that you don't have the control. You can do your part. You can show up. You can, we can come back to the ham sandwich now. <laughs> so it's not that you, so Jim Carrey said you can go manifest, but then you can't just sit on your ass and, and yeah. eat a ham sandwich. So he's right. You can do all the right spiritual practices, but you can't sit on your ass. You have to take action, of course, right? You have to, you have to step up and do the work. I'll get back to the letting go. Don't worry. So the, the message in this, there's a whole chapter about this in my book, about doing less and attracting more. And there's a method in the book called the spiritually aligned action method. And when you take action from this method, from this way, you can trust that it's being taken care of and you can let go every day. So the spiritually aligned action method goes like this. The first step is to make sure that your desire is backed with love and service. Okay. Love that. And I think that anyone can do that. And any desire you have, you want to make sure it's not backed with when I get this, I'll feel good enough. Sure. But instead, when I get this, it will give me more energy and that energy I can bring to my career, that energy I can bring to my child, or it will uh, give me a sense of safety and that safety will will ripple throughout my household or whatever it may be, right? Do we see how it's love and service is behind it? Uh, how will, How the desire coming into form will impact you and others in a very impactful way. And the second question you'd ask yourself is uh, making sure, the second step is faith, is having faith that it's this or something better. Because faith is what lets you be in a, in a state of, of allowing rather than a state of controlling. So when you have your desire backed with love and service and you have faith that it's this or something better and it's coming in God's time or the universe's time and it's on, it's on the way and, and I'm going to just, just let, let go and let God, and that faith comes from a spiritual foundation then that's when you take the third step, which is to take action from a place of spiritual alignment. The action step, take that action when you're aligned. The fourth step is to be patient. Oh, that's the toughest one. Everybody hates that It's the toughest one. (laughs) What do you mean? It's not here yet. You can be patient. It's easy to (laughs) be patient I got Amazon Prime. Exactly, exactly. But it's a lot easier to be patient when you have faith. So, So A Course in Miracles says, those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. We can wait without anxiety when we have faith that it's on the way or something better. It's, it, it's, it's a really important way to start to practice living. So this is very much a practice. And with any practice, there's actual practice. As I say, like you gotta like, it's like going to the gym. You gotta like flex. If you, you have to work out your spiritual muscles, if you will. Totally. Like they take time. 100%. And so, What's your advice for people listening or like, all right, I'm in. I want to be a super attractor. Mm-hmm. But I don't have time. Listen, so like, listen how can, to the audiobook. How can I <laughs> listen to the audiobook, buy the book, of course, all those things. But like what are like the daily musts? Like if I'm gonna to start to strengthen my spiritual yeah, muscles, yeah. you know, when I'm ready to, you know, get pissed at my Uber driver or 
you know, yell, one, yell at my toddler? What, what, what do I do? One method, one method. This is from the book. It's a very important method in the book. It's called the choose again method. If you just did this, this is the only thing you took from the book or from this podcast, and you just started to practice this, you will see changes in your life. It's about recognizing, step one, recognize the thoughts that you're having, the repeated negative fear-based addictive thoughts that you have and how they make you feel. So catch yourself in the moment. Just notice it. Notice how it makes you feel. The second step is to forgive yourself for having that thought. Because when you forgive yourself for having the thought, you are no longer the thought. Abraham Hicks says that a thought, a belief is just a thought that you keep thinking. Mm -hmm. So if you forgive yourself for thinking that thought, you are not, it's not who you are. It's not something you believe anymore. So you can just forgive yourself. You can say something as simple as, there's that thought again. Thanks for showing up, but it's not me. Then the third step is fun. It's choose again. It's reach for the next best feeling thought. Reach for the thought that feels connected to you. So so we could use an example of, do you have an example you'd like to use? <laughs> do you have a, a thought that's been, been up for you? Challenging you? Oh my God, there are so many. Or uh, one that's usually repeated. What's a typical one? Uh, patience can be a struggle. So why isn't it here yet? Yeah, it's not here. Yeah, or just in general, patience. You know, there's so much going on here at work, at home. Like I just have my, I'm overscheduled. I go from one meeting to the next meeting. I've so got like too if, much going on. Yeah, and it is. And so meeting goes long. Someone's not prepared. I'm just like, I'm, you know. I, I'm out. I'm out. I have no patience. You could just, patience. Okay, so I'm impatient. How does it make you feel when you start thinking about your being impatient? I start to become angry. Angry. Okay. This is a waste of my time. I have to the next mm -hmm. thing. We need to mm -hmm. move on. It's mm -hmm. just like, come on, let's go. Like I, I start to detach. Like I start to not pay attention. Mm -hmm. And so I think when I become impatient, I start to become less present. There you go. Good. Great. So you know how you know what it is and you know how it makes you feel. Then the next step would be forgive yourself for having that impatience. Can you do it? And then can I leave? It's <laughs> a practice. What you can do right now is just even forgive the impatience. You may not be able sure. to forgive yourself. It's like this idea of notice. It's very Buddhist. It's like noticing the thought. Like, here's a thought. I'm That's noticing it. it. I'm yeah. okay with it. I'm just, there's a thought. There's me being impatient. I'm recognizing mm -hmm. I'm impatient. I'm going to mm -hmm. like just sit with that for and, a moment. And, and truly, if you can't forgive yourself for it quite yet, you can forgive the impatience. You can yeah. just be like, oh, that's the behavior. I'm forgiving it. Yeah. The third step would be to choose again. So if we choose again together right now, what would be the next best feeling thought? I'm so impatient. Somebody's just left late for my meeting. I'm going to run out of here. I'm angry. What would be the next best feeling thought? The best feeling thought. Well, I love your advice from earlier. Lean into joy. Okay. I love that one. Okay. So it could be like, how can I, I can have some fun with this. Or it could be, you know what, uh, he, he's late, but I, I can maybe expand time with him because we're going to have a good time or, or I'm going to, uh, you know, be, be kind. This is an opportunity for me to practice kindness. It's an opportunity for me to grow. It's a growth opportunity. Perfect. That's a great way to choose again. So just reaching and reaching and reaching for sure. that next best feeling thought. And it has to be a thought you believe in. Yeah. You can't just be like, this guy's late. I'm pissed. I'm walking out. Um, <laughs> but now I'm really happy. You're not. Sure. So it had to be, I'm angry, but that's okay. I'm just going to let myself be in my anger right now. And I've got my tools and my tools work. And I'm just going to breathe through it. And I've been writing about breathing for a long time. I can breathe. You know, just thinking your way out. So my last question for you, what are your go-to tools when you're having, you know, one of those days? 
I use the choose again method all throughout the day. It's just what I do. It's, it's a practice that's ingrained in my system now. And I'll use it and I'll use it and I'll use it. Uh, my other tools include transcendental meditation. Sure. So I use TM to stay calm and lower my cortisol levels, but also to enhance stamina in many ways. Because the more I the, the, the more often if I sit twice a day, I can lower those cortisol levels and that expands time because it re-energizes me in 20 minutes. I can return to something and be so connected to it because I've had that 20 minute TM meditation. Another meditation I turn to a lot is Kirtan Kriya, which is a Kundalini meditation mm -hmm. with a mudra and a mantra, mm -hmm. Satanama. Uh, that's a good one for me if I feel like I'm needing inspiration needing to get back into connection uh then for me regular non-negotiables are also just eating well because food can can take you out mm -hmm. so i don't eat sugar i don't eat dairy i don't eat gluten and i eat lots of healthy nice things they, that good. all helps yeah that all helps yeah. so what's next for you you have a lot going on writing another book writing another book writing a book proposal for another book. I'm speaking throughout the world. I, I'm at this stage right now where I'm really happy 10 years later, here we are, to say to you, or more than 10 years now, to say to you, <laughs> to say to you that I am really, really in, in the joy of the art of what it is that I have the privilege to create. So I, I'm an artist making, and when I say art, creating talks and writing books, and that's my art. I love it. Well, congratulations on all of your success, your latest New York Times bestseller, and all the all the bestsellers that are, are in you. I know there are more. Congratulations! Right back at you, man. <laughs> it's good to be. It's good to be back. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks so much, Kelly. Thank you.